Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I've got a few scriptures on my heart tonight, and I was kind of wondering how this fit together, but, but he knows what he's doing, so... I uh, go through into Psalms chapter 27. Just trust the Lord, the Holy Ghost, to put this all together tonight. Psalms, the 27th chapter. This is another one of the Psalms of David here. And keep in mind, who is David? How, what was he described as? A man after God's own heart. Can I say that's the best compliment any of us can have is being a man or woman after God's own heart. David is a, a person of honor, someone that will be respected and admired for eternity because God said that about him. But it says here in Psalms 27 in the fourth verse, it says, One thing that I desire of the Lord... Notice, one thing I have desired of the Lord. You know, there's a lot of things we can desire from him. And, you know, God wants us to come to him with everything. Anything and everything, if we care about it, he cares about it. And if we care about it, then he's got an answer. He's got what you need. He's got the way to get there. I mean, he not only has the end goal, but he's got the steps to get from where you are to where he's called you to be. Aren't you glad for that? It's a good thing. It's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing to have a plan to get to that vision, right? It's one thing to have an end. And it's another thing to have instructions on how to get there. But he said, um, you know, like I said, well, there's a lot of things we can desire. But this was David, the man after God's own heart. He said, one thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. It says a lot about why he was able to accomplish what he did. And even in the face of failure and mistakes and things that were really dumb, let's just call it what it was and wrong, he still had that, that testimony of God, right? One thing I desired, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to, and to inquire in his temple. The Amplified of that says, One thing that I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require. I like that. One thing that I ask of, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence, all the days of my life. To behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, and the delightful loveliness of the Lord. And to meditate, consider, and inquire in his temple. You know, uh, here recently, it's been a theme around here talking about the presence of God. And you know, anytime the Lord brings something up or brings something to our attention or directs us a certain direction or highlights things, I'll just say this right off the bat. Anytime He does that, there's always grace there to go after it and, and to, to, to reach those things. You know, um, religion would tell people that, that God likes to dangle things in front of us and. Uh, tempt us with this, tempt us with that, but never really quite give it to us, you know. Uh, how many know that's not God's desire? That's not his heart. That's not who he is. He's good. He's faithful. He's kind. 
And if you can look in scripture, or if you can look around, and you can find anybody who was able to have something in the word if, or have something of God, then you know you can have it as well. It belongs to all of us. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, he's not a respecter of persons. And, and we can see it here in David's life that, you know, it's interesting thing about David. There were things that didn't even belong to David. And we've talked about this before. The, the time in which he lived, you know, there was no sacrifice made for sin. People didn't have the, the right to, to, to be in the presence of God. It wasn't even on their radar. If you were one of the priests, you would get anointed to go into the presence of God. But you had to do all of this stuff and go through all of these uh, things to safeguard yourself. And they would, to the extent that they would tie a rope around you and, and bells to your clothes. If it got quiet, they'd pull you out. You know, it was, it was just uh, the presence of God in your life didn't go quite hand in hand. They didn't mesh real well, you know, and, and when someone would encounter this, it was, it was just something that uh, uh, they had to be very careful about. But David desired, he wasn't, he wasn't a priest, but he desired the presence of God. And just his very heart and love for God, God honored that. Even though it wasn't something that was even available in his time, he had God's heart. Think about that. He had God's heart. It wasn't even available to him. You know, you think of his life and all the stuff he did and crazy things that he did, you know, and, and, uh, and, and those things didn't even limit him. But it wasn't even available. Even if he had lived the perfect life, it wasn't even available to him. But he still got the desire of his heart. It's interesting, you know, he said here, he said, one thing that I will seek, one thing that I desire and that I'll seek. You know, we know the scripture. Uh, if you seek, you find. Anytime somebody tells me they've seeked, they've sought, seeked is not a word, I guess, but if they've sought and not found, well, then I know one of two things is true. Either God's a liar or they just haven't sought, <laughs> right? And, and we've all been there, not being critical, right? We've all been there before where that thought has come in. Well, I tried this and it didn't work. Well, if, if there wasn't a connection made, it wasn't on God's end. It's always on our end. But like I said, anytime the Lord presents something, there's always grace to have it. There's always grace to pursue it. There's always grace to go forward. There's always a help there. There's always what you need. He'll never bring something up or bring something to your attention or put something in front of us as a people if he doesn't intend to then also help us to get from where we are and to move into those things and actually experience those things. And, and, and this is an interesting thing that the Lord said to me. Uh, uh, he said, you know, there, he told me, he said, there are some things that you can't teach your way into. There are just some things you can't teach your way into. And, uh, you know, teaching obviously is, is important. It, it's, it's, uh, unless someone proclaims the truth, how will they know what to believe? You know, and, and teaching is vital, not just to know who Jesus is, but, and to come into relationship with him, but really to progress, you have to have knowledge. You know, Paul talks about in Romans, you know, I love this scripture about the renewing of your mind. That's teaching, receiving teaching or uh, receiving teaching, whether it comes through an individual or through uh, time studying the word. Teaching is important. Teaching is, it gives us direction. Aren't you glad that, that we have that? Uh, because without it, you know, we, we would, wouldn't even know where to start. But, you know, there are other things that you can't teach your way into. Something that Bruce Black had said when we were in uh, Jacksonville that, you know, stuck with me. He was talking about... Uh, uh, I don't know if he coined this or not, and uh, probably didn't. It's probably somebody said it before, and you claimed it as your own, right? So we all do that, all preachers. But anyway, um, he he was talking about the the baptism of the Holy Ghost and these things, and he said, you know, some things uh, are, are better caught than taught. Some things you have to you have to 
teaching is good, but until you go after it and, and go beyond just teaching alone, you never really grasp. You know, scripture, we all know the scripture. He gave me this scripture in, in Psalms 34. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Boy, what a, what a mouthful in that, in, in that psalm. No, it's also David. He said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It didn't say just, Oh, read or hear the Lord is good. It says, Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see. God wants us to taste of these things. He wants us to taste of his goodness. He wants us to taste of uh, 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 his presence. He wants us to enjoy and experience those things. And can I just say this, you know, and, and, and it seems to me that if we're going to go where God is leading us to go, and what's ahead of us, you know, not only as, as, a, as individuals, but as a church, and really with the body of Christ, what, what God has for us, we're not just going to be able to teach our way into it. Knowledge alone puffs up. It's application of that knowledge that brings reality in your life, right? So it, it's putting it into practice and, and working with that, letting it work in your life. And if we're going to go where, where the Lord is calling us, you know, we're going to have to uh, uh, set out on some things that maybe we're not comfortable with or that we've not done before. You know, it's easy to get comfortable and just, uh, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, when we come together about gathering around a message, while messages are important and they're vital, we gather around him. And whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do things, whether it be a message or 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 uh, ministry in another way, or just time seeking him, really, our pursuit should be him. David said, this is, well, this is my pursuit. This is the thing. There are other things David pursued. Obviously, there's other things he went after. Even in his walk with God, there's other things he went after. But this is the thing that he said that this is, this was his focus. This one thing he'll seek after. And, you know, for us to go, I believe, where the Lord is wanting us to go, you know, we'll, teaching is good, and we have good teaching here. Thank God for that. But, but we, we have to also uh, allow the Spirit of God to lead us and direct us and to uh, really to, to flow with him and move with him and to go where he wants to go. Jesus didn't do what he did alone. He did what he did. He was who he was because the Spirit of God was upon him. How did they, Jesus live a sinless life? He was one with his father. He, he, he uh, you know, he had never sinned. He didn't need to be born again. He was born right the first time, right? And, and we, by a rebirth process, get to experience the life he just lived. But what was that? It was the presence of God, the spirit of God on the inside of him. And, and it said in Luke, talking about Jesus, that the young boy, the young, the young child grew strong in the Lord, I forget exactly how it words it, but he grew and became strong in the Lord. What was that impact on his life? It was the presence of God in his life. It was the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of him. Think about that. See, we, we, we a lot of times, and I've done this before, and I think probably a lot of people do this. You know, you look at Jesus' life and you think, well, he did what he did because he was the son of God. His mission was it, what it was because he was the son of God. And he was the only one that, that was worthy to lay down his life. He was the only one that was worthy and capable to do what he did. But the thing that caused him, enabled him to do it wasn't that because the word also tells us teaching is good, instruction is good. He laid aside those things, his, his heavenly privileges, those things, he laid those aside. And he, became, he came here like a man, as a man, just like one of us. 
But what was it that caused Jesus to be able to live a sinless life and then to position himself for ministry the way that he was is that he pursued the presence of God in his life. He pursued that in his life. He recognized that it was there and he pursued it. Go over with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. He said, I, like, I had just various scriptures, and I wasn't real sure how we'd fit all this together, but, but it, uh, thank God for the Holy Ghost, right? But um, Jesus, Jesus did what he did because he was in fellowship, in union with the Father. He didn't do it because he was the Son of God. He did it because he had the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. And it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Uh, uh, the Amplified of this, um, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church, and church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually? Has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually? That same Holy Ghost, that ho- same spirit of God that Jesus had Do you not know that that same Spirit of God dwells in you? That he's come to make his home, to dwell in you, permanently in you. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. Teaching is important. The revelation, or or really, revelation is is only partial if it's only heard. Revelation is, is full, fully realized when it's also experienced, right? And so uh, you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. Wow. I mean, it really is incredible. Jesus, because he was the son of God, he was, came to this earth and he was born of God. Didn't have sin in him. Never once lost fellowship until he laid it down, laid his life down. Aren't you glad he did? But he lived in fellowship and had that on the inside. There was no sin there as a a blockage to him or uh, to get in the way or to interrupt that communion, that awareness of the, the presence of God on the inside of him. There was nothing there to interrupt that. And so that's awesome. He had that. But aren't you glad and amazed that as people who've experienced sin... Anybody in here experienced sin before? Let me see some hands. Philip's hand didn't go up. So there I go. All right, there it goes. I was about to say, he just, he just experienced sin by not telling the truth. We've all experienced sin, right? We've all experienced it. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every last one of us have, have, have done that. But because of what Jesus has made available, something that the very Son of God God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Only he was qualified for. You and I have been, it's been made available to us as well. That same spirit to reside on the inside of us. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is a humbling, humbling and awe-inspiring thing to know that that same spirit that Jesus walked around with has been made available to us. And in the new birth, he resides on the inside of you. You know, I was thinking today when Jesus was talking to his disciples, you know, that 
uh, about his leaving. They didn't understand what was going on, and those poor disciples, they just couldn't get it, you know. And uh, he was talking to them, and, and uh, he, said, he said, it's better for you that I go away. Go over there to John the, uh, it's either 14 or 16. John the, yeah, 16th chapter. John 16, verse 5, it says, But now I go away to him who has sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So he acknowledged that, that they were not too pumped. You may know what that means to be not pumped up. You know what it means to be pumped up? You know what it means to be not pumped up. They were a little deflated that Jesus was leaving. I mean, think about their situation. They have lived these three years where everything revolved around him. This man that they walked with. I mean, he, he did things that no one had ever done. He said things that no one had ever said. He lived in a way and loved in a way that no one had ever, ever imagined possible. I mean, they, they learned to depend upon him for everything in life. I mean, they left everything to follow him. He was their life. He was their existence. He said, and so they were, they, sorrow had filled their heart. He recognized it, but he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That helper is the Holy Spirit. It's the very presence of God. I said that Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a tingle or a twinge. It is the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. I said the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. And in the new birth, the presence of God has moved in to your life. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. Jesus would depart from them and go away to pray. But you know, the Holy Ghost will never go away. Holy Spirit will never leave you and depart for a season to go do something. Even something that's important, he'll never do that. He resides with you forever. And he went and said, he said, when he comes, verse 8, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You know, we need that. I said, we need that. There's not a single part of, of his ministry, his job, his assignment here that we don't need. You know, the presence of God will convict the world of sin. It will point out the difference between light and dark. Let's not be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. It'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sins because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and, have seen, and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when he, who? Holy Spirit, the presence of God. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Do you think us having the heart that David had. One thing I've asked of the Lord, that, and that I will seek, inquire of, and insistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence. Dwell in his presence. How I many you know this isn't a service thing? It's a dwelling in his presence. is a lifestyle. His presence to dwell in that. This is the thing Jesus, that same presence, that same Holy Spirit is is 
the, the one that Jesus said was to their advantage that he'd go away that they could receive. He said, when he, who? The Holy Spirit, the, the, the presence of God, when he, the spirit of truth has come, what? He will guide you into all truth. Truth takes us to a point. Things we hear and learn takes us to a point, but he's our guide even in that. He's our guide. And then when we get to where we don't know what to do, where we are, the guide steps in and takes us the rest of the way, right? However, in he, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Woo, glory be to God. Anybody, anybody want to get in on that? Now, like I said, is, is this something that, that as you take a step and you're looking at this, is the presence of God worth pursuing? Is the presence of God worth pursuing? David got in on something that didn't even belong to him. How did he even know it was there? Holy Spirit. How did he even know it was even something that was even, could even be thought of? No one ever thought of those things. That truth had been lost. I was, if you're doing your reading, you know, I was reading and we talk about Adam and Eve, you know, in the cool of the day, they would walk with the Lord. And, and then you read on further and, and when Cain and Abel, that whole situation went down, he said, my punishment is too great. He said, don't banish me from your presence. Several things that are interesting there. He just committed murder, but he still was in the presence of God. Can I tell you this? Nothing's keeping you out. If you're born again, nothing's keeping you out of the presence of God other than you. <laughs> right? The only thing keeping you out is you out of the presence of God. But even in then, he said, he said, listen, it's too much for me. Don't cast me out of your presence. That was, that was the, one of the things, one of the, I think it was two things he said, he listed. That was what was on his mind is missing out on the presence of God. And it became lost over time that it was even possible. But the good news is it's available to us. He's available to us. Holy Spirit is available to us. The presence of God is available in our, in our lives, not just our services, but our lives. He's available. The fact is, if you're born again, he resides on the inside of you. You are the temple of the living God. He's made his permanent residence, his permanent residence on the inside of you. Everybody say permanent residence. He's moved in for good, y'all. He's moved in for good. He, put his, he, he, he didn't just put his luggage in the attic. He sold it on Craigslist. He's moved in for good. He doesn't have a plan to go anywhere else. He's moved in on the inside of you as individuals, but he's also moved in collectively. Woo, think about that. He's moved in collectively into us as a church. The same bags he packed when he moved into you, he packed when he moved into us as a group. You think pursuing him is kind of important? Let me say it this way. Do you think it's an honor to pursue him? That's really the right way to look at it. It's a privilege to know him. It's a privilege to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God. It's a privilege. I said it's a privilege. It's a privilege to fellowship 
with Holy Spirit. It's a privilege to know him. It's a privilege to experience him. And in fact, David said, taste and see that it, that the Lord is good. What he's got for us is good. Come taste and see. Cause it's been laid out for us. It's been laid out for you and I. He's there. He's there. He's there. He said, he'll tell you things to come. Verse 14 in John, verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. It's almost getting ridiculous, isn't it? He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all things that the father has are mine. I therefore, and therefore I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. When the Holy Spirit moves in, when the presence of God moves into your life, you become a partaker of that divine nature. When he resides on the inside of you through the new birth, the Bible says you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God, right? I wish they had moved that period just a little bit further. Right Now all things are of God. Why? Because he doesn't share space. What fellowship does light have with dark? Zero. What fellowship is there Christ and Belial? Zero. In the new birth, you're made perfect in him. You're not made mature, but you're made perfect in him. Right? The maturing process is on the outside. It's tied to our pursuing of the reality of what's perfect on the inside of you. You want to be mature? Pursue the presence of God. Pursue the Holy Spirit. Pursue him. Like I said, he's not a feeling or a twinge or a tingle. He's, he's an actual individual. He's not a person. He's not human like us, but he is part of the Trinity. He is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's part of that. He's an individual. He's living on the inside of you. So in the new birth, everything that belonged to Jesus now belongs to you. It's been declared to us by the moving in of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Like I said, do you think pursuing his presence is important? Do you think that's important to pursue him? Yeah, it's, it's hugely important to pursue him. It's an honor to pursue him. It's, 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 uh, it really is a humbling thing to be able to have access to him. You know, right now, as I'm talking, we've got access to him right now. I said, we've got access to him right now. Anytime you hear something, anytime there's teaching, there's grace there to experience it. Anytime you hear something that, that lines up with the word of God, that's, that's uh, uh, directed by the Spirit of God, there's grace there to experience it, right? It's there. There's grace for you to get to know the Holy Spirit in your life. He's not just the one who enables us to speak in other tongues. It's a big part of what he does. It's a, it's a big part. It's a huge help. It's the way we edify ourselves. We charge our batteries. It's, it's the way we pray out mysteries and pray out secret things and, and have a, a, a supernatural prayer language that uh, the old knucklehead devil can't get involved in. Right? He said, no, we even know what we're talking about. We can pray out the perfect will of God. We can praise God well by the aid of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's good. But there's, he, there, he's, there's more to him than that. 
There's more to him than that. I tell you, you know, let's this year make him our desire and our pursuit. But can I'll say this, in order, if we're going to have him collectively, we've got to pursue him individually. If we're going to really experience what it means to have the, the, the manifest presence of God, the Holy Spirit in demonstration, uh, the presence of God in demonstration, to experience that and to really allow him to, to take us where we need to be as a church, we've got to then begin to uh, uh, pursue him and go after him on a personal level. On a personal level, I have to go after him. Yeah. There's one thing, there, there's a difference between having somebody at your house and, and making them at home. There's two different things. It's a different thing. There's a, there's a phrase, host the presence of the Lord, hosting the presence of God. It's one thing to have somebody over. It's another thing to host them. When you're hosting somebody, what do you do? When you host somebody, what, do you, what, what are you doing when you host somebody? Anybody know? It's not a trick question. Oh, hey, why don't you come on over? Or, or how about this? You're welcome to come over anytime you want. Or why don't you come over to the house? There's a difference. When you host somebody, what do you do? You prepare for them. Your attention is on them. You tend to, to them. They're on your mind. Right? Other things might be on your mind, but they're on your mind. You know, we can live aware of his presence every single day. We can pursue it. If we'll do that as, as individuals, then our time together will be so much of that more amplified when we get together, when we, when we go after him together. Take our personal attention towards him and, and make it collective between us. I challenge you this year, make the presence of God, Holy Spirit, make him a priority in your life. Make him a priority in your life. It's interesting. Go over to Matthew. Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter four. No, Matthew chapter three. We read this in Luke in the reading the other day, but I like I want to read Matthew's version of it. Actually, Luke. I don't know if Luke actually talks about it. Does he? Jesus being baptized. I think he did. But in Matthew, it says here, Matthew, the uh, 13th verse, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. What an honor for John to be able to baptize Jesus. But Jesus answered and said, permit it to be be so now, for thus, thus is fitting. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, uh, then he allowed him, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up and immediately uh, from the water, immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly there came a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. It's interesting to me, you know, that this, the representation we have here of the Holy Spirit is a dove. You know, you would think that. God would, would have chosen to use a more masculine bird. The, hawk, the Spirit of the Lord descended like a hawk, like a falcon, like a condor, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just ominous. 
You ever wonder why it's a dove? Dove, dove, yeah, we have some dove every now and then land in our yard, you know. They're not the bravest birds. Now, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit isn't brave. But what I'm saying is there's something about their personalities. They're not, they're not, they're not arrogant. Hawks have a little bit of arrogance about them. I'm a hawk. Who are you? Right? We've got some hawks that live here at the church, and during the winter they show up. During the summer, I don't know what they're doing. They're probably in Mexico or something. I don't know what they're on. In Tahiti, I don't know what they're doing. But in the winter, we see them, these couple pairs of hawks, and, and they fly around, you know, and outside my window, I look, and there's, there's usually a pair of them. And this year, I've only seen one. I've not seen the other. One of us, did the other one already run into your car? She said one of them almost ran into her car. Did she already take the other one out? That's not good. Okay, where did the other one go? Pastor Andrew ran it over. Um, let's hope not. But they, they usually they're there, there together. But, you know, there's, this year we've only seen the one. I've only noticed the one. Last year he was here, and I've got pictures. And I, he would land it on the playground equipment. He just loved our playground equipment. He landed on the playground equipment. He's standing sitting on top of the swings. And so I've been looking at this bird and every time he shows us, watch him, you know, cause they're just so cool and majestic, you know? And so I decided I'm gonna go check this thing out. We'll see how close I can get to him. Might not have been the smartest decision. I don't know, but it seemed good at the time, you know? And so I decided I'm gonna go out there. So I walked out to him and he's just staring at me, just looking at me. And so I would get, I walked up to the edge of the playground. He's just sitting there staring at me. He knew I was there. I didn't sneak up on him. He just was watching me. I walked up to the edge of the playground, and he just looked at me, so I took another step. He just looked at me. I did this and did this until I was this close to him, standing right underneath him. Real slowly pulled my camera. I didn't want him to jump on me and, you know, peck me in the head or anything, but I pulled my camera out, took a picture, and then backed away. But I wanted to get an up-close picture. It's different if you zoom in. I actually wanted an up-close picture of this bird. Hawks are just a little bit like, what are you doing? Who are you looking at? But you know, the, the, the example here, the, 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 the likeness he came down in was a dove. Doves are, not that they're, they're weak, because he's not weak, but at the same time, you treat them tenderly. Right? You don't just smack a dove around. You don't smack a hawk around either. You don't poke your eyeballs out, right? You're a hawk. No, you don't do that to a hawk either. But, but they're a little tougher in personality and persona, right? Doves are just very meek and very mild. Part of his personality is one that we have to, we have to, we have to honor that he's here. Not just take him for granted or think that, hey, Mr. Hawk, he's a dove. There's a tenderness about him. Other thing about doves is too, they, they, they always come in pairs. They mate for life, right? And so whenever they pick somebody, they stay. When a dove finds another dove, that's it. It's a, it's a, it's a match and they're not going anywhere else. So it's interesting, a dove in your life, he's not going anywhere else, but you still have to treat him tenderly. Not that he's weak, but because you respect him, you're in, he's precious to you. He's valuable to you. You know, if we're going to pursue the presence of God in our lives and pursue it, we've got to honor that and respect it and, and, and value his presence. It's not just something there we, we, when we need something. 
Yo, Holy Ghost, take care of this. I lost my keys. If you've lost your keys, he'll help you find your keys. But he's there for more than that. See, that's approaching him one way, but he wants you to approach him tenderly at the same time with an appreciation and a value for him. He's not going to go anywhere. He's with you. He's picked you. He's with you. He's not going anywhere, but you still have to honor him. Treat him as something. Something that's valuable to you, you don't just toss around. You don't neglect. You don't set it down and walk away and not know where it is. You're aware of it. You know, you know where it's at at all times. Let's live aware of him. Let's, let's, let's treat him the way he's to be treated. He is part of the Godhead that's decided to make his home on the inside of us because you put your trust in him. Put your trust in Jesus. He's decided to make his home in you. You know, it, it's something that, like I said, that um, if we'll pursue him, and, 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 and like I said, too, we, we won't be able to teach our way into this fully. We'll have to do this by experience and by pursuing after him and staying sensitive. If you leave tonight and if you don't pay the Holy Spirit any attention, I'm not saying just pray in other tongues. Pray in other tongues. We need to pray in other tongues. He's there to give utterance. But, but turn your attention. Is there anything you want, me to, you want me to know right now? Anything that you're wanting to do? Anything that, that, that anything I need? Any, what, what, what's on your heart? Simple questions like that. Or looking to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you with, with an attitude or a heart of, is there anything that's important to you right now? I'm just checking in. I'm checking in with you. When he first meets that, that person, right, you check in on him. Well, do you need something? No, I'm just checking in on you. Just seeing what you're doing. I'm just checking in on you. Well, he lives on the inside of you. Check in on him. Make him something that, make that fellowship with him something that you do on a regular basis where you're checking in. Your attention on the inside. Hey, I know you're in there. You're in me. You're living big on the inside of me. You're living on the inside. Anything, any, what, what's just checking in on you. And I don't know exactly how you do that in you, but you know what I'm saying? I'm saying your tension's on the inside. You're, you're looking for him. You're, you are aware of him. He's all around you. I believe if we'll do that and, and we'll make that pursuit, we'll pursue him, we'll see things we've never even dreamed possible. He'll be able to take his places we've never even thought possible, but more importantly, we'll enjoy a level of fellowship that we've never known before by simply hosting him, catering to him. When something comes up and it's a decision that maybe wouldn't be good for him or wouldn't be appropriate, you choose him over that decision. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? I could give this person a piece of my mind with that host, the one on the inside of you. Is that, is your attention, are you doing it from a, from a place of union with him or are you stepping outside the door? I'm gonna shut the door so he don't hear me and I'm gonna give you an earful, right? I'll be right back. You have guests over, I'll be right back. Go in the bedroom, come back out. Oh, he knows, right? <laughs> we, none of us have ever done that, right? But aware of him that you, listen, whatever business you got to do, you're going to do it with him around. 
Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it with him. You're going to do it. You're going to make sure that he's with you when you do it and that you guys are in fellowship together when you, when you make this decision. Go this direction. Do this thing. Talk to this person. React to this person. Whatever. I'm going to make sure that he's involved in this right now. I'm going to host him in the middle of this decision that I'm making. Amen. Praise God. There's much more we could say, but it's, it's the starting place. It's the relationship side of our calling. It's the most important side of our calling. We have a job to do, yes, but if our personal communion isn't really what it should be, if our attention is not where it could be, we won't be able to really fulfill what we've been called to do the way we've been graced and enabled to do it. I look around, man. We, we've, got, we've got so much here. We've got so much here and so much potential I mean, he gave gifts to men. He's moved in on the inside of us as a church, but as an individual. I mean, we've got what is needed to do the job he's called us to do, but it still goes back to fellowship. still goes back to that communion between heart to heart, learning to, to, to accommodate his presence on a daily basis. Amen? If we'll do that, we'll get to where we need to be. Those things will fall in line. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.